So we're in chapter 13. Let's just get right into it. I'm pretty much going to read the, it's a rather long passage, but then at the end of it, I want to make three or four points to reflect on. And then the whole account of what is happening uh, will conclude that with, with part two of this when we get into chapter 14. This is the story of how David's oldest, the one who is heir to the throne, rapes his sister. There's no easy way to say this. Tamar, it's a horrible story, but it's part of the story of the house of David. So let's look at this first part. I call it from love to lust. It came to pass after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister, pretty, beautiful girl, whose name was Tamar, and Amnon, the son of David, loved her. <clears throat> Amnon is the heir to the throne at this point, it would seem. Most likely, he had privileges that uh, the other sons didn't have, most likely. And Amnon was distressed to the point, well, and Amnon, the son of David, loved her, that is, his half-sister. And Amnon was distressed to the point of making himself sick on account of Tamar, his sister, for she was a virgin. And it seemed difficult in Amnon's eyes to do anything to her. And Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, uh, the son of Shema, the brother of David. So this is his cousin, right? And Jonadab was a very sly man, crafty guy, first cousin. His, he, and he has a part really all the way through this, this account here in this chapter. And he said to him, why are you becoming so thin, O son of the king, from morning to morning? Will you not tell me? And Amnon said to him, I love Tamar, the sister of Absalom. Jonadab said to him, lie down on your bed and pretend sickness. Make out like you're sick. And when your father comes to see you, say to him, let my sister Tamar come now and let her give me bread to eat and prepare the food before my eyes that I may see and eat from her hand. And Amnon lay down and pretended sickness. And the king came to see him. And Amnon said to the king, let my sister Tamar come now and make two dumplings or, or bread cakes. It's, it's, it's an interesting word. Before my eyes that I may eat from her hand. David sent home to Tamar saying, go now to your brother Amnon's house and prepare the food for him. Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house. He was lying down and she took the dough, kneaded it, and she prepared the dumplings before his eyes. And she cooked the dumplings and she took the pan and poured them out before him, but he refused to eat. And Amnon said, take everyone out from me. And everyone went out from him. And Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food into the bedroom that I may eat from your hand. And Tamar took the dumplings that she had made and brought them to Amnon, her brother, into the bedroom, and she brought them near to him to eat. He took hold of her and said to her, Come lie with me, my sister. And she said to him, No, my brother, do not force me, for it is not done so in Israel. Such a thing is not done in Israel. Do not do this disgraceful thing. 
And I, where shall I lead my shame? And as for you, you shall be like one of the fools in Israel. And now I beg of you to speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from you for marriage. So her idea was, well, you know, ask our father, I'm your half-sister, see if he will give to me, uh, give me to you in marriage. But he would not heed her, and he overpowered her, forced her, and lay with her. Namely, he raped her. This is his sister. So that leads to this next part that I call from lust to hatred. And Amnon hated her with a very great hatred. For greater was the hatred with which he hated her than the love with which he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, get up and go. And she said to him, do not do this wrong, which is greater than the other one that you did to me by sending me away, namely like this. But he would not listen to her. And he called his youth, his servant. And he said, send now this one away from me outside and lock the door after her. Now she had on a colorful, a striped uh, tunic. For in this manner, the king's virgin daughters dressed in robes and his servant brought her outside and locked the door after her. And Tamar put ashes on her head and rent her garment of many colors that was on her. And she laid her hand on her head and went her way, crying aloud as she went. And Absalom, her brother, said to her, has Amnon, your brother, I misspelled it when I do that, Amnon, your brother, been with you. But now my sister remains silent. He's your brother. Do not take this thing to heart. Tamar stayed in solitude in her brother Absalom's house. And King David heard all these things and became very angry. And Absalom spoke with Amnon, neither bad nor good, for Absalom hated Amnon because he had forced his sister, Tamar. So now it goes from hatred to murder. It happened after two whole years that Absalom had sheep shearers in Baal Hazor, which is beside Ephraim. And Absalom invited all the king's sons. Now this is a time of festivity. This is a, this is a festive time when you come to the time of shearing the sheep. So this is a big party time. And Absalom came to the king and said, Behold, now your servant has sheep shearers. Let the king and his servants please go with your servant. And the king said to Absalom, No, my son, let us not all go, lest we impose on you. And he pressed him, but he would not go, but he did bless him. And Absalom said, if not, please let my brother Amnon go with us. And the king said to him, why should he go with you? He's suspicious. But Absalom pressed him and he let Amnon and all the king's sons go with him. And Absalom commanded his youth saying, please note, when Amnon's heart is merry with wine, and when I say to you, smite Amnon, then kill him and do not be afraid. Have I not commanded you to be courageous and valiant? Absalom's servants did to Amnon as Absalom had commanded. And all the king's sons arose and they rode off, each one on his mule. And they fled. And it came to pass while they were on their way that the news came to David saying, Absalom has slain all the king's sons and not one of them is left. And the king arose, tore his clothes and lay on the ground and all of his servants stood with their clothes torn. And Jonadab, you remember that guy? The sly guy, right? First cousin. Jonadab, son of David's brother, Shema, answered and said, let not my Lord say that they have killed all the young men, the king's sons, 
for Amnon alone is dead. For by the mouth of Absalom, this had been arranged from the day he forced Tamar his sister. And now let not my lord the king put to his heart the thing to say that all the king's sons are dead, but only Amnon is dead. Absalom fled. And the young man that kept watch raised his eyes and looked, and behold, a large crowd was coming from the way behind him by the hillside. And Jonadab said to the king, Behold, the king's sons have come as your servant said. So it was. It was as soon as he had finished speaking that behold, the king's sons came and raised up their voices and cried. And also the king and all of his servants wept profusely. Then moving from murder to exile. Absalom fled and he went to Talmai, the son of Amahud, the king of Geshur, and he mourned for his son all the days. And Absalom fled and he went to Geshur and he was there three years. And the soul of King David longed to go forth to Absalom, for he was comforted concerning Amnon, being that he was dead. In other words, those years that passed since he had been murdered had eased the pain of the loss of his son who was to be the heir to the throne. Now there are several things to think about here. So let's just consider about uh, four or five of them. First of all, it's not the first time we've seen rape and murder in the household of David. It started back in chapter 11 in the life of David. He took Bathsheba. It was obvious that it was against her will. Then he conspired and then murdered her husband. Rape and murder. It was something well known to his family because it was Nathan the prophet who announced in the presence of everyone who was in the throne room at the time that when he told his little parable and David angrily pronounced judgment upon the one uh, that uh, had wronged another person to which Nathan said, you are the man that David came immediately under conviction and his whole household knew and understood. So you think about this. There wasn't a lot that David could say to his son. He couldn't, he couldn't very well scold him. You can see if you, if you look at the account closely that it seems like David you know, in his, in his wrath and in his, uh, in his pursuit of justice, there, we've already seen several times that David just ordered the death of someone right there on the spot because a law had been broken and justice had to be rendered. And he was the king, but he's, he's not so hot and heavy against his sons. First, because one of them raped his sister, David's daughter, and then another because the next son murdered the son who was the rapist. And it took a while to work itself out. And yet David doesn't seem to be in such hot pursuit of justice. Why do you think that is? Well, I'm sure that David's own memory, I'm sure that David's own experiences and his own sin gave him pause before he could bring judgment or issue condemnation against his, his own children. Well, that leads to another point. 
You see, Amnon's passion cost him the throne and his life, and it ultimately cost Absalom his life as well. Absalom would have been the next in line for the throne. Now, let's look ahead a little bit. Joab, the commander of the armies of David, for some reason has an appreciation for Absalom. And we'll see as this story progresses next time that somehow David now in his 60s uh, is being seen as getting on in years. Um, He's already stopped fighting with his soldiers. He had been advised, you know, your, your arms aren't as strong as they used to. Why don't you step back here with us? We're more than willing and capable to do the fighting. So there, and, and we see that in another account, account in another part of the scriptures, not here in this book. But uh, already people are beginning to take into account that on the battlefield, David has lost a step or two. And uh, now he is marred with sin, of course, as so is Absalom. But Absalom is this, this young, vigorous, handsome, powerful son of David, and as the story develops, Joab begins to favor Absalom to take the throne of David. Of course, that's not David's plan to give up the throne at this point. The reason I bring that in here is because not only has David's behavior impacted his family to the point that he really can't do anything about. I mean, he can't do anything to justify whatever he might do to his son who raped his sister and to the other son who murdered his half-brother, the other, that son, Amnon, because David had been himself caught up in the, same, in the same sins. Which leads to the next thing to consider, the tragic events of Amnon's rape of Tamar. And Absalom's murder of his brother Amnon were not only reminders of David's adultery with Bathsheba and his arrangement for the murder of her husband Uriah, but also of the pronouncement of Nathan to David that because of his sins, quote, from this time on, the king's family would live by the sword. That's back in chapter 12. There were things said by Nathan that come to roost. He's already lost a baby. Things in some ways are are spinning out of his control. He has a son apparently secretly conspiring to take the throne away from David. And that son has murdered the heir to the throne who raped his sister. I mean, All kinds of evil now have come into the household of David. And then finally, the chain of events that are set in motion, that were set in motion by David's adultery and murder, which actually, as I said earlier, were were mirrored in the behavior of Amnon and Absalom in chapter 13, was far from over. The house of David would suffer even more serious challenges uh, 
as time moved on and it would become increasingly clear that David's kingdom fell far short of the ideal of the messianic kingdom. And that's the story for you and me. There are great characters in the Bible, great characters, did wonderful things, had great faith, seemed to go at some point in time at the height of their lives of faith, seemed to go beyond what anyone else would do in expressing their faith and living out their faith. But every one of them collapsed into some kind of horrible thing, except for Daniel. It's interesting, but only Daniel is, is seen as a man who didn't collapse like that. So here's the point. God gives us great saints along the way, gives us great leaders and gives us great people to emulate and to listen to, to a point. But we always are brought to the feet of the real king, the real character of the scriptures to which everything is leading, who is our Lord, of course, Jesus Christ. There won't be, now Solomon will enjoy prosperity to a point beyond what David enjoyed, but David, David had respect and power and then, and then so did Solomon. And Solomon, and we'll get there someday, of course collapses in his own sins as well, which causes us to be mindful. As great as those kingdoms were, and they were among the greatest kingdoms that the world will have ever known. As great as those kingdoms were, they were stained with sin and ultimately with weakness, loss, and collapse, finally. And makes us to understand how great and powerful the kingdom of God is and of course will be into the ages of the ages from which we will learn lesson after lesson after lesson about creation and our existence and God Almighty, the one who made us. But this story actually continues into the next chapter and so we will, we will pick it up next time in the next chapter uh, to finish the story that we started tonight and we'll have our deacon prayer time.